Well, good evening. We're going to jump around quite a few passages. They're all going to be in the New Testament. Uh, most of what we're going over, you've heard before and you know the stories. But what I want to do is tie together a thought. Uh, Kevin this morning talked about our obedience, that there's a blessing if we obey and there's a curse if we don't. We are to keep the commands that we see in the Bible. In the last two months, uh, I thought about this subject, and I would say with almost each man that's been up here speaking, and in the hymn, that uh, the first hymn that Bob gave out this morning, it runs the thought of forgiveness. And the hymn that uh, was sung today, 257, the first line says that the forgiveness is through the blood. And that only one small part of what I'm going to talk about is the blood. The thought is not only the forgiveness that we have of our sins, but the forgiveness that we should have for each other. So I want to tie those thoughts together. Thirty years ago, uh, there were a group of us that, from this assembly that went on a camping trip. We went up the coast. As we went up the coast, we stopped in Solvang and we went to Anderson's Pea Soup. We all ordered what we wanted to order. One of the ladies called the waitress back and said, I cannot tolerate this. And I thought, well, she ordered it. I've heard I don't like it, I don't want it, but I can't tolerate it. That really took me by, uh, I laughed. And uh, she got a little bit embarrassed with all of us there. But the thought was, and as we go tonight, can we tolerate other believers? Or do we hold grudges against them for whatever reason? So as we go through these scriptures, just think about if we have something against another brother, if we have something against another sister, if they have something against us. And I'm going to try to give us a little bit of instruction from scripture on how we should act and how these things should be uh, looked at. Matthew 9. Matthew 9. Now, we're going to look at the story of the uh, paralytic. If we read just Matthew 9, the first verse, and they brought to him, or the second verse, and they brought to him a paralytic lying on a bed, seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralytic, Take courage, son, your sins are forgiven. And some of the scribes said to themselves, This fellow blasphemes. And Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Why are you thinking evil in your heart? Which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Get up and walk? But so 
that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Then he said to the paralytic, get up, pick up your bed and go. And he got up and he went home. If we look at that, it sounds like it just happened. They walked into the room and it happened. Well, in Mark's gospel, in chapter 2, there's 12 verses that show there was a lot of work went into it with these four men. There was a lot of faith. The faith caused them to lift up this paralytic, to make a hole in the roof, to lower him into where the Lord was. It was a lot more than what verse 2 here implies. A lot of work, a lot of faith. This is a picture of faith, this few verses, these few verses that I read. The faith prompted the men to take the invalid to Jesus. The invalid's faith went to Jesus for healing. And if we look, our Lord first rewarded this faith by pronouncing that his sins were forgiven. Not for a healing. His sins were forgiven. The great physician, the Lord, removed the cause before treating the symptoms. He gave the greatest blessing first. Healing and the forgiveness of sins are related Our earthly troubles start because of sin. If the Lord came and just took care of those problems, the sin issue would still have been there. The first thing he did was said, your sins are forgiven you. That we see a picture of faith. Those that brought and the paralytic himself. In verse 3, we see a picture of no faith. Some of the scribes said to themselves, this fellow blasphemes. The scribes were of the opinion that the Lord could not enable the sick man to walk. They were thinking among themselves. They didn't say it outwardly. The Lord knew what they were thinking. What the fact that they had blasphemed They made that comment, but he knew what they were thinking, that only God can forgive sins. And they were not about to receive the Lord Jesus Christ as God. In reading their thoughts, he rebukes them for the evil that is in their hearts and their unbelief. Then he asks them in verse 5, which is easier to say Your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk. If we were to answer that as human beings, we would have to say, both are easy to say. Both humanly are impossible for us to do. But the Lord, showing In verse 6, so that you may know 
The Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He heals the paralytic. With the thought of that, we think of 2 Corinthians 5, 7, where that tells us walk by faith and not by sight. We are so much more blessed that we don't have to have a demonstration like the Lord showed them in verse 6. They, he, he healed this man and it was an outward sign to those that mocked him, those that would not accept what he could do. They never could see the fact that his sins were forgiven. They could see him get up and walk. Again, 2 Corinthians, we walk by faith, not by sight. Go to Luke 7, another picture of a healing. <clears throat> Luke 7, and we go to verse 44. <clears throat> Turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but she, since the time I came in, has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she anointed my feet with perfume. For this reason I say to you, her sins, which are many, have been forgiven. Again, the greatest blessing first. For she loves much, but she who is forgiven little loves little. She was forgiven much. She loved much. Simon, if we look at him, what he does here is to basically ignore the one that was invited into his house, which was not the custom of the day. The woman lavishes affection on the Lord Jesus Christ. The Pharisee had given him a cool reception. He didn't intend, uh, attend to the usual courtesies, washing the feet, kissing the cheek, giving him oil for his head. And we have to ask, why did he do that? The woman was aware she was a great sinner and that she was forgiven much. Simon did not feel that he was a great sinner. Remember the thought, but to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. Simon was forgiven little because that's what he thought he was entitled to. So he loved the Lord very little. In verse 48, Again, we have the Lord making uh, a public announcement. 
your sins have been forgiven. In verse 49 and 50, those who are reclining at the table with him began to say to themselves, who is this man who even forgives sin? Again, belief and unbelief. And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. If we do not have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, there is no forgiveness of sins. Your sins have been forgiven. But if you don't have faith in the Lord, that forgiveness does not translate down to your sins. You will pay for those sins. A price you can't pay. Faith first, saving grace second, sins forgiven, and then a healing. That's the process. We can't change that process. Again, in these two verses, the Lord declares the saving nature of faith, faith the fact that he forgives our sins because we're sinners, that each one of us has to accept his gift or his death is wasted on us that don't accept. He died on the cross to pay a price that we could not pay. He died so that we could live. Our sins are what made the Lord Jesus Christ go to the cross at Calvary. Like was mentioned this morning, can you imagine holding the spike and the hammer and running that spike through the nails of the Lord Jesus Christ? The clanging of hitting that pin. And then to have him look down and say, forgive them, for they know not what they do. I can't imagine that anyone that heard that could not have been touched. Something they did, and they were immediately forgiven for that. But that forgiveness is a moot point if they didn't accept him. Sins were forgiven, but it has to be accepted, accepted gift. The thought I have tonight is, should we follow his example and forgive others as the Lord Jesus Christ has forgiven us and the price that he paid? Go to Matthew 18. I guess I could have stayed in one book and worked my way through, but I didn't do it that way. So we're going back and forth. Matthew 18, verse 21 and 22. Then Peter came and said to him, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? Jesus said to him, 
I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. The Lord here is not saying 490 times. What he's saying is you forgive your brother an infinite amount of times. Whatever it takes, that's what you forgive your brother. Now, there's conditions with that, and we'll get into that. At that time, the rabbis felt that two times, three times, that you should forgive someone. But the Lord says 70 times seven. If he repents, you forgive him. In verses 23 through 25, there's a king. And a slave owes him a lot of money. 10,000 talents. In verse 26, the slave fell to the ground, prostrated himself before him, saying, have patience with me, and I will repay you everything. And the Lord of that slave felt compassion and released him, forgave him the debt. But that slave went out and found one of his fellow slaves who owed him a hundred denarii, much, much less than what he owed. And he seized him and began to choke him, saying, pay back what you owe. So his fellow slave fell to the ground, began to plead with him, saying, have patience with me, I will repay you. But he was unwilling and went and threw him in prison until he should pay back what was owed. The slave in verse 26 makes the comment, have patience with me and I will pay you every, repay you everything. The debt in 27 is forgiven. In 28, another slave comes to this slave, far less money owed, and he basically makes the same comment. Have patience with me. I will repay you. In verse 30, the slave is unwilling to forgive the one who owes him after the debt was forgiven by his king. The Lord Jesus Christ forgave us more than we will ever remember or more than we will ever know. Are we willing to forgive others that we disagree with or the ones that we think have done us wrong? This could be brothers and sisters in the Lord. This could be neighbors. This could be relatives. If we don't forgive, we're no better than the slave that was forgiven by the Lord Jesus Christ by the blood on the cross at Calvary. And he will not forgive another slave that asks for the same consideration that he has received. If we fail to forgive others, should we hear a little change in verse 32? Then summoning him, his Lord said to him, You wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt 
because you pleaded with me. If we fail to forgive those that come and ask us for forgiveness, maybe we should hear you wicked believer. I forgave you. Why didn't you forgive them? Something we need to think about. And we're going to see some other verses in having forgiveness and how it affects our lives, how it affects what we do. If we keep a grudge against someone else, it only hurts me. It doesn't hurt the person the grudge is held against. We need to forgive as our Lord Jesus Christ forgave us. There are steps in forgiveness and the administration of forgiveness. There's reasons that we have to forgive others. We can look at some of those. Luke 17. Luke 17, verses 3 and 4. Be on the guard. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times a day and returns to you seven times, saying, I repent, forgive him. Same thought as if he comes 490 times, an indefinite number. If a brother comes to you and repents, we are to forgive. In the Christian life, there are perils of offending another brother. We need to be careful how we talk to someone, what we do. But there's also other issues. There's the danger of harboring grudges, of refusing to forgive when a person apologizes. The Lord deals with these issues that if a Christian is wronged by another Christian, he should first of all forgive the offender in his heart. I'm not even talking going to that individual and trying to work it out. We need to forgive first so that our heart is clear. My heart is clear. In Ephesians 4.32, it says, Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ has also forgiven you. We are to go to the offending party and rebuke them. It also says this in, uh, it says it in verse 3 here, but it also says it in Matthew 18, 15, the same thing. If he repents, he should be told that he's forgiven. Even if he sins repeatedly, then we forgive him repeatedly. Verse 4, he should be forgiven. If a private rebuke doesn't work, isn't effective, then the person who's been wronged should take one or two witnesses. We find that in Matthew 18, 16. If he will not listen to these, then the matter should be taken before the church. The purpose of rebukes is not to get even or to humiliate another brother. 
It is to restore them back to fellowship. The reason my thoughts have come this way is because I deal with so many different people, so many different groups, the boards that I'm on. What I'm speaking of here doesn't happen too often. I'm just saying there is a system in Scripture when we have a problem with each other. God has an order in how he wants that handled. The Lord is gracious in no matter how often we fail him, he forgives us. We are forgiven. We'll get into 1 John 1 night. I know that had been a sore subject here uh, from the podium. I'm going to take the other side. Okay. We need to keep short accounts with God. If, uh, if we confess our sins, 1 John 1, 9, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. In other words, as his disciples, we should be ready always to forgive not to hold a grudge against another brother. He does not say that the one that offends should not be rebuked. An individual needs to be aware of their fault. They need to appreciate what has happened, where they're wrong. I say there, that could be me. If I am wrong, I need someone to come and talk to me about it. It's the only way we can straighten it out, figure out where we are. That is scripturally the direction we should go. Not talk to other people about it, not gossip about it. This could be anything. It doesn't have to be a major event in our lives. It could be any problem. When a person sincerely repents, he should be forgiven, even if he repents, or repents and repeats the sin and repeats the sin and repeats the sin. I used to smoke. It took me about five months to quit smoking because I forgot. And I would ask somebody for a cigarette or I would go into a, uh, a market and they'd say, anything else? And you slap your chest and say, yeah, I need a pack of, right? Sin is the same way. If you've been sinning, doing something for a period of time, practicing that sin, you forget and you do it again. You need the Holy Spirit's help on that. A thought is, what happens if we don't forgive a brother or sister when they've asked for that forgiveness? Turn to Mark 11. Mark 11, verse 25. 
Whenever you stand praying, forgive if you have anything against anyone so that your Father who is in heaven will also forgive your transgressions. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father who is in heaven forgive your transgressions. One of the basic requirements for answered prayer is for us to have a forgiving spirit. We can't be harsh, vindictive toward other people. We must forgive if we are to be forgiven. An unforgiving spirit hinders our blessings from the Lord. We need to have a forgiving spirit. Is one of our hindrances in forgiveness of others their motives or actions? I think we have to be very careful, very careful of that. If we look at Luke 6.37, talking about us looking at another individual for what they do or don't do, Do not judge, you will not be judged, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Pardon, and you will be pardoned. We can't look at someone else's actions and say that we can read their heart, because we can't do that. I can fool every one of you, you can fool me. Only the Lord can read a person's heart. We need to always pray that the Lord takes on whatever the problem we're having and the Holy Spirit works it out. It's not up to us to try to uh, judge another Christian's stewardship or service. We can't know their heart. I am guilty of the issues I'm talking about. It's very easy to want something done, especially here at the assembly, and it doesn't get done, whatever it is, and start thinking, oh, I know why it didn't get done. I haven't got a clue why it didn't get done. And you don't know why I didn't do what I was supposed to do. We cannot judge another believer. All we can do is pray and give that to the Lord. In 1 Corinthians 4, 5, it talks that uh, God is the judge in all of these cases. And a critical fault-finding spirit within us violates the law of love. We have to love each other. <laughs> Bob Faust stood up here one day and I don't even remember why now it happened. I remember what he said. If you disagree with me and you don't like me, get over it. Because we're going to be forever together in heaven. But man, I don't want to be with a guy I didn't like, right? Get over it. Don't hold a grudge against another uh, brother. The, the Lord, in his forgiveness to us, is a parental forgiveness. 
There's a judicial forgiveness. Now you can talk to Magdi about that one because he does the paperwork over there from the born to win guys. That's legal forgiveness. You're going to pay your price. You're going to do your time in jail. Parental forgiveness that the Lord gives us, it's forgotten. It's forgiven. It's forgotten. How hard is it for us to forgive and not or and forget? Forgetting is very difficult. We forgive someone and the next year we bring it up again. The same subject. That is not the pattern that the Lord gives us. I have one full page that I marked out, so we're just going to pass that one on. Make it easy on you. Ephesians 1 7. Where does the forgiveness come from? In Him we have redemption through His blood. The forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. When we look at God's eternal plan, this is it. The fact of redemption is the work of Christ. We're freed from the bondage and the guilt of sin. And we're introduced into a life of liberty. All because of the riches of his grace. When we start thinking about the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, it was the only blood that could take away our sin. It's very valuable. The less you have of something that is uh, very worthwhile, let's say gold, the less you have, the higher the price. The funny thing about the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ is one drop would have done the same thing as the entire blood that flowed through his veins. The blood of the Lord Jesus Christ is what paid for our sins on the cross at Calvary. Extremely valuable because it was perfect blood, blood that knew no sin, blood that could not sin. We think about the pain and the agony that the Lord went through at the cross of Calvary. We can consider the nails in his hands. We can consider the beating that he took. We have to consider three hours of darkness. It was dark because no one should see what he went through. Can you imagine that pain that he suffered to pay for our sins? And then the blood that was shed washed away our sins, not remembered. He knows we're sinners. We're not going to be judged for that. Hebrews 9.22 says that without 
shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. We know that he died. We know that he shed his blood. We know that our sins have been forgiven. In uh, Colossians 3, Colossians 3, again, dealing with us, dealing with other brothers and sisters. 13, verse 13, bearing with one another and forgiving each other, whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also you should you. Beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Bearing with each other, we show patience with the failings of our brothers and sisters. I want to tell you, my wife knows, my kids know, the longer you're around me, you're going to see my faults. And they're not really pretty. They're there. They forgive me most of the time. Most of the time. It often takes the grace of God for us to put up with other people. But you are that other people a lot of times. It takes the grace of God for others to deal with me. You need to be able to realize we all have our faults. We're all going to have problems. If it's something very evident, you need to go to that brother and talk with him, that sister. And it's in a spirit of love and you've already forgiven them for what you're talking to them about. If you go to a brother or sister and it's not in love, they're probably not even going to listen to you. When we think of the Lord Jesus Christ as he forgave us, so you also must do. He forgave us without cause, and so should we do that to others. He forgave us freely. We should do that with others. He forgave and he forgot. And we need to do that also. We need to follow the Lord's leading. Again, we think of 1 John 1.9 that I had quoted before. In order to walk day by day in fellowship with God, with our fellow believers, we must confess our sins. And those sins are sins of commission, sins of omission, sins of thought, sins of act, secret sins, public sins, sin. We need to have a wide open dialogue with God. There's nothing he doesn't see, so why would we try to hide it? Proverbs 28.13 says, He who covers his sins will not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. 
in Matthew 6.12. We're looking at the Lord's Prayer. And just one part of it. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven, forgiven our debtors or our trespasses and those that trespass against us. When we look at this, the Lord's prayer, he had no sin. He had no debts. This is given to us, his disciples, his believers, to look at. In the prayer that he gives out, forgive us our trespasses, forgive those who trespass against us. Forgiveness is so much throughout the New Testament. We can't pick and choose on verses we want. We can put together all of them that say exactly the same thing. Forgiveness, forgiveness, forgiveness. Because he first forgave us. In Matthew 26, this is the last one we'll turn to. Verses 27 and 28. Again, we're looking at the blood and the cost and the remembrance. And when he had taken a cup and given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. For this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for forgiveness of sins. If we didn't have faith, in the Lord Jesus Christ, our sins would not be forgiven. If we didn't have the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ shed on the cross at Calvary, our sins would not be forgiven. His blood is sufficient for all. But all don't accept that gift that's given to them. We all as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ can forgive our brothers and sisters. And it's going to make me sleep a lot better at night when I do that. We should not hold a grudge against anyone. The Lord does not hold anything against us as believers. That blood that he paid... I think the same thing helps where we can forgive others. Or we're like that slave that was forgiven much and would not forgive little. Cindy and I were on our 40th wedding anniversary running around and there was a sign down in Julian, I think it was, wherever it was. And I should have bought the sign. Because one big part of love for one another and forgiving one another, not being spiteful toward one another, is to remember a saying that was on the sign. And I, I want to try to have one made and put it on the wall at Western Assembly's home. Maybe we should have one here.
Kindness matters. If we'd be kind to each other, even if we're mad at each other, we can work it out. This goes for your family. Russ can tell you when he's out doing street preaching and the people yell and scream, kindness matters. If you scream at them, they're not going to listen. If you're kind to someone, they may listen. They may come back to hear the next time. Kindness does matter. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we do give thee thanks for this time that we can have together, that we can share from thy word. We realize that forgiveness that has been given to us, paid for by the precious blood of our Savior, that we should give in kind. We should not hold grudges, that we should love one another, that we should pray, Father, that you, that the Holy Spirit will take care of these issues that come up in our lives daily. We thank you for the fact that we can gather together in a free country. We pray, Father, for Will Aarons, for Gary and Alona, for Kathy, Julie, the husbands. We just pray for healing mercies upon this young man, Father, and we pray that he will be back with us sooner than later. We pray for all those that are having problems and not feeling well, Father. We just pray for your healing mercies. We pray for comfort for the families. And we pray that thy will be done in our lives and in all the lives of believers. It is in his precious name we pray. Amen.